0: purpose.ca. Welcome to episode 102. There's kind of this line you cross as a podcaster. Once you've done a hundred episodes, you're like, I, I, powered through, I held out, I did the thing. So it feels so great to be in the triple digits and it feels even better when I hear from you guys, hear the episodes you're liking, you bring it into the Facebook community and ask for more topics. So I just love this podcast and I love the community and the conversation that it is creating. And like I said in the other episodes, we are doing bathroom rentals, so there is some drilling and hammering going on. Just bear with us. All right. I'm also sharing something today that I don't do often, and that is interviews. Today, I'm sharing two episodes. I've broken them up into two from my talk with the Atkins, Bethany and Corey Atkins. They have a podcast called The Millennial Mission, and I was on their podcast in the fall. I met Bethany through a podcast mastermind group that I was a part of, and I really loved what their podcast did for about being a millennial, but still being on a mission, being really purposeful in their life. And so, I recorded with them back in fall and we recorded this in December because I just really loved their story. And I thought it would be encouraging to many of you who are interested in less debt, going debt free, moving towards financial freedom. Because Bethany and Corey have a story. They had debt and it was growing. And eventually they got to the point where they knew they needed to do something about it. So they did something big. They moved. They moved from California back to their hometown of. Hawaii, Hawaii, Ohio, (laughs) man, that would not be a bad move. They moved to Ohio and on paper in California, their life was good, good jobs, good friends, good weather, a great home, but they were going into debt and they really felt like something wasn't working. So in this first of the two episodes, our talk is around that they share their story of making this big move. And what I love about their story is the control they decided to take. Because they could stay in the spot and keep telling themselves they're stuck, keep trying to manage, keep trying to feel helpless and deal with that feeling, but they decided to take control and take a big action and get unstuck with big decisions, a big move. I also want to say, I know a lot of my listeners are Christian and some aren't, so I'm just going to lay it all out. This is a conversation about what God is calling us to do and trusting him with it. And regardless of your faith, it's still worth listening to, because no matter what your faith is, we all deeply feel call on our lives. And I call it God, but these calls are pulling us out of our comfort zone into something new. What will we do with that call on our lives? It's a question we can all ask. So let's dive right into this episode. Bethany and Corey are going to share their very inspiring story. All right. Welcome, Bethany and Corey. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for having us, Shauna. I'm glad you guys are here. I loved coming on your podcast, the Millennial Mission Podcast. So I'm really excited to have you here talking about finances and what that's like in a family situation
1: oh we are, we're this good. is like one of our favorite topics yeah. to talk about so we're good. So
0: excited to be here good because it's a topic i actually get asked about and i don't feel equipped i don't have the experience with it so i'm really excited let's start with can you guys tell me a bit about who you are and what you do now
1: yeah sure do you want do you go want?
0: ahead okay so
1: we are Corey and bethany we are brother and sister no i'm just Whoa. kidding we're, <laughs>
2: <married>. <laughs> we're <laughs> husband and wife
1: we've been married for eight years now almost nine. And um, we also have a podcast. It's called the Millennial Mission Podcast. The heart behind our podcast is just to share, um, interview different people and share their stories and their uh, life journeys to show that everybody has their own God-given purpose and not all of our journeys look the same. And then through that podcast, we also share our own life journey in real time. So one of the big... Uh, avenues that we talk about a lot is our debt journey. Mm-hmm. So we have been, we went to college, we got into a massive amount of debt, both of us with school loans, we had um, mortgage. And so we just kind of started off life, our marriage very early on, on the wrong foot. And so right now we are just trying to, to correct all that and live out our God-given purposes. And we have realized along the journey that being in debt really has held us back in a lot of ways. So- yeah. It's
2: not fun.
0: It's not fun. <laughs> so we're not. working on it. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about the unfun things. What were you experiencing before you decided to make a life shift? What was unfun in your life?
1: Yeah, I think that sorry, did I pull my yeah, turn? I think that um, you know, debt. I was raised learning a lot about finances. My parents equipped me very well. I had allowance very early on. I was taught to tithe, save and um, Taught to be careful about you know getting into debt, however, the thing that I think is tricky is even though you know all the right things sometimes because culture is just so um, like they really push immediate gratification. you know you mm-hmm. can buy stuff off Amazon at the click of a button mm-hmm. it 's very normal to have a car loan and go to school for a hundred thousand dollars and rack up loans so y- even though you know all the right things. You can be very easily deceived and go down the wrong path um, unintentionally. And so for us, it's not like we were going to Bora Bora every month and like spending money that way, but it was just little things that added up. And pretty soon we found ourselves really financially strapped. We couldn't, I mean, it was hard. We were using credit cards, using credit cards. And then finally we're like, oh geez, they're maxed out. We don't even know how we're going to pay, make the payments, let alone buy groceries and so that is when it became not fun Mm, yes
0: and I think so many of us can relate to these types of debt that we think are acceptable the school loans the mortgages and sometimes even a car like we need reliable transport right these are the things that we tell ourselves so we've got this like quote-unquote acceptable debt and then all the other debt that's just easy they're little purchases and as you're watching yourselves go into this and get to the place where you can't buy groceries like how are you handling that conversation between the two of you
2: well i think for for us it started with like beth said it was the the little things that started adding up and it go, it kind of goes back to a lot of people get in debt because they want to keep up with the joneses mm-hmm. and i think that we are we gathered our debt because we were trying to keep up with ourselves. Mm-hmm. And because what had happened was, is we were living in California at the time. We had still had our student loan debt. We had um, a little bit of debt with uh, vehicles. Um, but other than that, we had sold our house before we moved to California and we were renting so that uh, wasn't a debt burden that we had anymore, but it was, we tried to play the credit card game. Mm-hmm. And when we first moved to California, we were both working. Um, I was running a business and Beth was doing travel nursing. And so we had a good amount of cash flow coming in. And so we, we just tried to, you know, get points with the cards. Right. And slowly we started, um, Beth didn't want to, you know, do travel nursing anymore. She wanted to stay home with our kids. And so we backed off and we decreased our budget with that. And then we decreased our budget even more uh, as she wanted to work less. and um, But we didn't decrease our spending really that second time. And we were both starting Mm -hmm. to make a little bit less money. Um, So when we kind of hit that rock bottom with our debt, where it was like, okay, we can't keep doing this anymore. For us, we moved back to Ohio. Um, Beth was not going to be, uh, when we moved back, she wanted to stay home completely. So we, we had her staying home with the kids. I was starting a new job. So it was a lot of dramatic changes for us. We mm-hmm. came back with only one car. Um, only one of us was working. We were in a small apartment. We really decreased our spending. So I think the conversations to answer your question about groceries and some of those spendings, we had such, uh, dramatic changes and deep pains with the debt with that, that it made spending less money on groceries and going out to eat easier because we just reminded ourselves of the pain of debt and that we really couldn't afford to Mm -hmm. get the extra things with groceries or to go out to eat or to hang out with friends or go to the movies and things like that.
0: Yeah. yeah. And when you kind of look back on that retrospectively, you can see what was happening with your money. It sounds like you can see like our Um, income went down, our spending stayed the same, our outcome was still up here. So we knew we had to decrease our, the amount of money we were spending. And so often conversations for me, at least, and I think just talking to my friends, we say like, I don't even know where the money went. Like, how do I not have any more money? Where did it all go? Was that a conversation? Like, was that a question you guys were asking yourselves or were you pretty mindful of where everything was?
1: So, we did, we've always like had a budget. And so we've always tried to be careful, but I will say there was a point where we were, when we were using our credit cards, it did kind of get to that point And it wasn't even like, where did all the money go? Cause we weren't spending our money to begin with. We were using credit cards and charging them mm. off, but it was like, how did we get to this point where, you know, we have over $20,000 in credit card debt. And it's never, like I said, in the beginning, it's not really those big things like going to get a car or going on a massive vacation, but it's the little things that really yes. sneak up on you, like the trips to Target or you know, going to a Starbucks, which I am guilty of <laughs> way too much. <laughs> Um, and, and the things like that. And even as a mom, it's something I struggle with because you want to give your kids the best life that they can have. Mm -hmm. You want to, you want to, our tendency is like to want to give them everything that they need, because we think that's going to make them happy. But in reality, they don't care about material things. They just want our attention and our love. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that I have to constantly remind myself because I struggle with being present. And then I try to fill the lack of being present with, with buying them things mm-hmm. and then that's another vicious cycle because again you're racking up the money, your budget. And so it's really comes back to just being intentional with a budget, being intentional with your goals as a family and um, what is truly important.
0: Yeah, I really love that. I think it just makes such a big difference when we look at money not as a tool to make us feel better or supplement something that money can get us things, but we there's other ways we can get the things we want to, right?
1: Absolutely,
0: yes. So you made this life shift where you moved to Ohio, you got rid of a car, Bethany's at home. And for I think you covered it before that you had a career as a nurse before, so now you're home. And when you decided to make that life shift, how did that decision go? Like who said it in the relationship? Who's (laughs) like, we should move?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'll I'll let you talk about it in a second, Corey. But I want to say... It seems that it's like, like as we tell our story, it's like, oh, it was this big rash decision, but it was really a culmination of many conversations, Mm. uh, lots of prayer and kind of taking one step in front of the other. And we never really saw it wasn't like. We were out in California and then we're like, okay, in three years, we're gonna move back to Ohio. But it was kind of like, all right, let's take this step. Oh, that step is leading us here. And then eventually we found ourselves back in Ohio. But I will say that when the time came, um, I really, I mean, we both, we both loved our life in California so much. We were so happy there. Uh, we had a beautiful home close to the beach. It was just, it was beautiful. Yeah. And um, Corey really felt the pull. I would say we both felt it, but I was very, what is even the right word? Like I was just like. Resistant. I was resistant, but I was almost like in this trance of like, I wanted to stay in California and our beautiful, comfortable life. Yeah. And I knew, and I didn't want to go back. So um, ultimately with lots of prayer, we decided that we needed to go back. But Corey is the one. I would say he led the way and I kind of went kicking and screaming. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that we did now, just like you said, retrospectively. Um, But in the moment, it was very hard.
2: Yeah. So the reason we moved to California was to help run a business and our plans were to then either be partners in the business or own the business. And so those were our intentions going out. Our intentions were never to move home. And at that time we felt, you know, through a lot of prayer and thought Um, we felt God prompting us to move to California. Mm -hmm. So when we got there, you know, we started to, the business was growing. We were building a team. Everything was going well. Beth was being able to work less. We had a good church, really good friends. Everything was seeming to come together. And we had started like negotiating on either becoming partners or buying the business outright. And we kept praying over it. We were seeking counsel from mentors and everything. And moving back to Ohio was really our last choice. It was the last thing that we wanted to do, but it was on the table. Mm -hmm. Um, and we kept, we had over months, it was, what was it? Nine months. We had talks about, um, trying to figure out how this was going to work and just in the negotiations, it just kept not coming out the way that, that either party wanted. And, um, I really didn't want to come home, but I remember I was, we were praying fiercely, seeking mentors, you know, Christian mentors of ours, and business mentors. And I was sitting in church on Sun on one Sunday. I have no idea what the sermon was all about, but I remember our pastor said, "Go home, just go home," mm-hmm. and it just rang with me. It felt like God was sending me that message. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting there, I'm like, "Go home," like I don't want to go home, but you know what, this really is looking like it's our only option. So I came back and told Beth, I'm like, I don't want to go home. You don't want to go home. But I feel like that's what God wants us to do.
0: Mm.
2: So that's what pushed us to decide that neither one of us wanted to do it. But I really felt strongly that's what God wanted us to do. So with that, we kind of said, okay, if we're going to go home, what's that going to look like? And that's when this whole debt journey kind of unfolded. Because one of the things I told Beth said, if we go home, you know, the job I'm going to take, we have potential that you could stay home. Um, And she said, okay, but let's move into a small apartment. See if we can find something super cheap and small. We'll just use one car for a while. And let's, let's, this debt is out of control. Let's just see if we can tackle the debt. Mm -hmm. So we came home with a game plan. And I mean, we prayed about it and we ran it by God and seemed like that was the right thing to do because God doesn't want anybody in debt. So (laughs) that's what kind of started this whole journey.
0: I think that's such a powerful tool to use because it's like you're holding two two lives in your hands. Like one is we move back home and we change things. One is we stay here and we keep trying to make it work and we'll figure it out. But just saying like, okay, if we do choose to move home, what will that look like? And giving it some kind of steps and plans so your brain's not just like freaked out by the thought of it. And I'm really curious, like God doesn't want us to go in debt, but here we are, everything else was good and we were prospering and we had the home and the neighborhood and the friends and community and job. How did you reconcile, like, aren't you blessing me right here with you want me to just give all this up and do something totally different?
2: Yeah. I, I felt like when I, we got to a point where most of the of the decisions we've made in our life, we've just followed what God has guided us to do. And when probably the last year or two that we were in California, I felt like I was no longer doing it for God, but I was telling myself that I was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was kind of like, all right, God, you got me here. This is what you want me to do. I got this. And I didn't ever take into consideration that god took us there to teach us things for us to build a relationship with friends that we're still friends with today that we will go and visit when we do go visit california Um, that i learned so much about running a business and leadership skills and all of these things that i could now use in this next phase of life and i never took those things really into into consideration so i think that sometimes too we get it's tough because Beth says it's our, it was our comfortable life. It was comfortable Mm -hmm. in some senses, but it was also uncomfortable because we were running a business and treating it like it was our own. So there wasn't a lot of entrepreneurial sacrifices and long hours working and all of those things, but we got comfortable in that. And we really felt like God just wanted to shake us from that (laughs) comfort.
1: Yeah. It was kind of like we were finding our identity more in the business and our lifestyle out there and God wanted us to reevaluate and begin to again find our, I, uh, our identity in him and we were losing sight of that out there mm-hmm. and I don't even think we were seeing it at the time but looking back I would absolutely say we were um, and I, I will say you know like I said I did not want to leave I like cried and acted like a toddler. <laughs> <laughs> But I will say for years as I was a nurse, I prayed and prayed and prayed because I wanted to be home. And I often say this in the podcast, I would have given up anything to Mm -hmm. be home. And that was often in my prayer, like, Lord, I will give up anything if I can just be home with my kids and if I can just spend time with my kids. Mm -hmm. And I never really got that answer. You know, I was able to go down to part time. I was able to have a flexible job, but I was never fully able to be home. And then- It was like the one way that I could have been home was for me to go back to Ohio because the cost of living was so much cheaper and we were going to be able to make that work there. Um, So for me, you know, even though at the time I was like, no, maybe I'll just stay. It was like, God was answering my prayer, but he doesn't always answer our prayers in the way that we want. <laughs> <Right. laughs> in my mind, it was like, oh yeah, you can be a stay at home mom and you can take your kids to the beach every day. But in his plan, it was, no, you're going to obey. I'll let you be home with your kids, but it's going to take sacrifice and it's going to take hard work. And it's also going to refine you and um, help you to guide you, like guide your identity back to who you're supposed to be.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: I do want to say one more thing about comfort because I think this resonates with me so well. And when uh, your listeners may have even seen this, but in the movie, uh, God's Not Dead, this scene uh, more than any other scene just sits with me. But um, in the movie, there's a, an elderly lady who has, I think it's dementia, and she can't remember her kids' names, and she has a son that's very successful. He uh, runs a business. He's got all the things that you could want in the world, and he never goes and visits his mom, and um, one, the scene is one night he shows up and is visiting her, and he starts saying, you know, I feel... Uh, so bad for you because you have been, you were the sweetest, most caring, loving person in the world. uh, And you're, and you believe in God and you're faithful and look at what has happened to you. And the whole movie, she can't remember any of her kids' names. And all of a sudden she just says to him, well, sometimes the devil will allow people to sit in a jail cell That's filled with all the niceties, filled with all the comforts of the world, cars, vacations, all of these things, but the doors wide open and we never leave the jail cell because (laughs) we're comfortable inside of the jail cell. And that just resonates with me so well, because as Christians, you know, having a good church, having good friends and all of these things, the business is going well, that was our comfort. And we were stuck in the jail cell for the next step of our purpose mm. because God didn't want us to stay there anymore, but we wanted to. And yeah. we were just sitting in the jail cell with the door wide open.
0: Yeah, that, that feels really relatable. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie, but it's like, that's very humbling to say, this is all around me and it is good and it is easy. And I'm just going to walk out this door and, and trust that there's something better right? Give up the easy for the better, right? Give up the good for the better. How do you keep yourself on point with that? How do you keep yourself accountable?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's a really good question. For the accountability, I think the biggest thing for us is just, or for me at least, is like staying in the work. And I can tell when I'm not because my mindset begins to shift. My attitude begins to shift. My perspective Mm, on life begins to shift. So that's right. probably the biggest thing. And then the other thing is we just really set goals with each other as a couple, with our family, and we plaster those goals on our walls <laughs> <laughs> during our family meetings. We talk about them in our podcast because we don't want to lose sight of those in the the busyness and the craziness of life. And to talk to each other about them, talk to our kids about them, it really helps to help us keep pressing on, I would mm, say. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I would say it's as simple as we just don't give ourselves a choice. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, when we when we first came back, um, the the emotions for me came a little bit later um, because the position I was taking on was a was a sales position, and when you start a new sales position, you have it takes time to build up your customer base,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and um, I it took me some time to do that. And so I was just plugging away, working, trying to work very, very hard, long hours, uh, weekends sometimes, and um, there was nothing to show for it. And for me, the emotions tied to that were just, I felt like my identity was wrapped so much in how hard of a worker that I've been, because Mm
0: -hmm.
2: I'm not naturally skilled at anything, I don't think. I think I've always had to work for everything, and my ego and identity got wrapped up in, well, I can just outwork people. Mm -hmm. And um, I was plugging away, working, 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 and I had no results. And so because we were tight with finances, we didn't have a choice to spend money on other things. We had to be strict with our budget. We had to watch every dollar that was coming out of our spending budget. And I think that that has it trained us over the course of that time to when at the beginning of this year, when I finally started gaining ground and having success at my job, we've just stuck with like the fact that we're every single one of those dollars that's extra isn't ours. It's our debts. And it's going towards that. So we're acting like we still don't have any money. um, Even though we'd have been blessed this year to have extra, but all that extra has gone to what we've already (laughs) spent in the past. So I think just not having a choice, giving yourself no choice. I, I, want, I heard on a, I don't know if it's a book or a podcast one time, but about burning all of your bridges. So you don't have a plan B. There's only plan A. Right. Because right. yeah, plan B
0: feels good, right?
2: <laughs> right. Plan B feels good. If plan A fails and we don't try hard enough to make plan A fail or work, then we can go to plan B, but mm-hmm. we, we had no option. We couldn't have a plan B.
0: I'm so happy you shared that mindset of like, so we've got this extra money, but we can't spend it because I think that's such a common thing is we see what's in our bank account, but we're not often looking at what's on the line of credit, the visa, you know, the other things. We're just looking at what, where the green is, right? Where the plus is. What kind of myths do you think that we fall into easily when it comes to finances, like things we believe that get us into trouble?
1: Mm. Um, I would say a really tricky one is the, like Corey said, we played the credit card game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, tell me what
0: that looked like for you guys.
1: Yeah. I think that there are credit cards out there and they do have great benefits, you know, racking up points and you can get free flights and you can do all those things, but they all, you ha- in order to get all of those benefits, you have to spend money. Right. And so if you don't have the money to spend, you should, you have no business having a credit card in the first place. So it doesn't really make sense. And so I think sometimes we can say, oh, we'll get this and then we'll just pay it off. But then we end up racking up more and more and more. And then before we know it, we're in a big pit Mm -hmm. of debt and -hmm. we don't even realize it.
0: But you have all the nice points, right? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
2: Yeah. And I would say that most people can't play that game there. You have to be extremely disciplined and on top of your budget in order to actually make that work in your advantage. I wouldn't say that it's 100% like nobody should ever do that. But for us, we started out extremely disciplined. But then when our cash flow became less, Mm
0: -hmm. we didn't
2: stop. We didn't discipline ourselves Mm -hmm. in the later portion of it to, to take advantage of it.
1: And then one other one I want to say, I mean, there's like a whole list of them that we could go through, but there's just one that I feel is really important. And we've talked about this recently on our podcast and it's more of a mental thing and it's just comparison. I think that that puts us Mm, in such financial pitfalls so frequently, because we look at Instagram and we look at Facebook and we look at other people 's lives from the outside looking in, and people look happy and they have this beautiful car and they maybe just bought a beautiful home, and we want everything that they have, um, and we think, oh well, if I buy that i 'll be happy like them right but the reality is we have no idea what 's going on inside of you know from the inside we have no idea you know what what's ju- we just don 't know what 's happening i mm-hmm. I face this i There was somebody, you know, previously in my life who I had no longer talked to. And when we moved back to Ohio, we were in this apartment and I'm like, oh, I'm so, this is just like, (laughs) Um, but they had this beautiful home. And I was talking to my sister about it. I'm like, I'm really struggling. You know, I'm almost 30. I'm living in this apartment. I know that we're doing it for the right reasons, but I look around and these people I went to high school with, they, they're so much more established than me. And I was talking about this one person in particular. And then just a couple of weeks later, I found out that they were going through a divorce Mm -hmm. and it made me kind of reflect back on my life. And I'm like, you know what? I could care less what kind of car I drive or where I live, because you're not going to find happiness in those things You have to find happiness in the pits. You have to find happiness in the crappy two bedroom Mm -hmm. apartment and the junky car that you have to try and start four times. If you can be happy there, you can be happy anywhere, but so often we try to get it. We get it backwards by saying, oh, if I have the house and I have the nice car, then I'll be happy. But that's just, that's not, that's not accurate.
0: No, it's just delaying our happiness, right? Yes. Yeah.
2: I'm just going to add to that because I think that's, that's the number one thing is the comparison because that leads to the phrases of keeping up with the Joneses. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I laugh now, but there was even a point like where, when you're talking about comparison, when, when I came back to the company that I work for now, I had this whole quote unquote resume of doing all these things and successes. And I thought that I would like hit the ground running, that Mm -hmm. things would start working well for me more quickly. And, uh, you know, one of the sacrifices that we made was, uh, not having a car. And then we had somebody gift us a car Mm -hmm. and, uh, that, kind of put my ego in check but also made me very grateful Um, and there were moments where I was kind of embarrassed that I was driving this car but now I laugh because I one of the things that helps me with comparison is if I know I'm doing what God wants me to do and my identity is in him then who cares what anybody else thinks Mm -hmm. and I mean even today I a couple of hours ago when I was coming home from work I crossed my fingers and I literally, I was walking out to my car I said, God, please make my car start. because <laughs> it Literally yes. like there's been two times where it hasn't started at all. And so much so that I've ran the battery dead and had to have somebody come over and jump my car just to get it started. And I made a joke too the other day that every time that my car starts and I'm driving, I feel like God just reaches down and puts his hand mm. on an engine and is making it work because there's yeah. no reason this car should be running.
0: <laughs> right, I can relate to that. Like every time it turns over, it's a miracle.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I like t- every time I start it, a bunch of smoke comes shooting out the back at the office that I'm <laughs> that I'm at. The one time the. Owner of the company was standing in a meeting. Got up from his his meeting in the conference room. Looked out the window. Saw the smoke. Saw it was me. Waved, and then I drove off. But this thing just kicks out all the smoke. But for for me, some people may look and say, "Well, Corey's you know achieving success here. Why is he driving this yeah. car?" And I, now God has blessed me immensely this year to where I've hit the highest qualifications to where I'm going to, I've qualified to win a, a truck for a year next year. So I'm just hoping this car holds on to then. But I every time I start the car, I wonder if anybody's looking out from the office saying, why is Corey driving this piece of junk when right. we know that he's done this? And then I just start laughing because my <laughs> identity's not wrapped up in what car I'm driving. It's wrapped up in who God says I am. And I know... And I'm following what he wants me to do.
0: Great. And it really challenges that cultural assumption, like you deserve nice things and you should buy things that are going to make your life better and keep you secure. But you're putting yourself in this situation that's countercultural where you are willing to turn that key every day and trust it's going to work and have to deal with it when it doesn't in order to see what's possible in the future, in order to have god kind of dictate what your future is going to be instead of you keep buying what your future is going to be mm,
2: that is yes. really good
0: when you're ready you can head on over to the second part of this episode we talk about more practical budgeting tips how debt repayment has impacted their family and that season of life where they weren't making progress so go check that out when